Amen. Let's all stand together. Proclaim together. There's nothing that our God cannot do. He is all powerful. He's given us victory in our lives. Amen. Sing out. Just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. Come on. There's nothing that I got.
and amen. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. You may be seated. There is nothing that our God can't do. What a wonderful promise of his word. Amen. Are you glad to be here this morning? Man, we appreciate you swimming in for the service this today. <laughs> I was coming in this morning, walking across that parking lot, and just everywhere I stepped, the water was just running over my shoes. <laughs> I thought, well, I'll go in with wet feet this morning, but it's a it was a joy to get here this morning, and we're so glad that you've braved the elements to be here to worship with us today. We want to say a special welcome to any of you that are our guests, and we hope that you've gotten one of our Connect cards. If you got a bulletin this morning, there's a Connect card inside, and we would appreciate it greatly if you would take a moment and fill that out. Just let us know that you're here. Uh, we'd like to have a record of you being with us this morning, and if you're a first-time guest especially, we want you to have the opportunity to meet our Lead pastor, he'll be out in the back for you as you leave this uh, morning. And uh, if you want to go by and say hello to Pastor Andy John, he would love to meet you. And uh, we're just glad that glad that you're here this morning. And uh, so we want to say welcome, welcome to all of you. If you have a, pr a special prayer request? You certainly write that on that card, and our staff will be praying for you this week. We pray over each and every one of those prayer requests, and we really take that to heart. It's a privilege for us to pray for you each and every day, so we want to intercede on your behalf and just let you know that we love you and, and uh, we'll certainly pray if you'll put those uh, requests on that card and just turn them in. You can drop those in the offering buckets. Uh, we're not passing the offering buckets uh, yet and uh, we're still having those out in the foyer, so uh, they'll, they'll be out in the foyers as you leave, and so we want to encourage you to continue your faithfulness in the area of stewardship, drop your offerings off there. And God continues to bless our church. If you want to give online, you can do that at our, through our website at lindsaylane.org. Or you can text to give by texting LLBC to 73256. And uh, God will honor that if we'll be faithful in the air of stewardship. So we want to just pray over our offering this morning. And then we're going to continue our time of worship today. So let's have a word of prayer as we pray and ask God to bless our time of giving. Father God, we thank you so much for the day and for the blessings. Lord, we do thank you for the rain. Lord, we know that we need it. It replenishes the earth. But Father, it should remind us that you replenish us. And so, God, we just thank you for how you provide for us each and every day. Lord, it's a privilege for us to come together to worship you. And we worship you through our giving. And so, Lord, as you've given to us, we have the privilege of giving back just a portion what you've blessed us with. And so we just ask, Lord, you take our offerings and use them so that we can see others come to know Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Thank you again for all you do for us. We look forward to continuing our worship and our praise because you alone are deserving. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, shame is a prison as cruel as a grave. Shame is a robber, and he's come to take my name. Oh, love is my redeemer, lifting me up from the ground. Love is the power. Where my freedom song is found, there ain't no grave. Y'all stand and sing. Gonna hold my body down. 
A war between death and life, and there on a tree, the Lamb of God was crucified, and he went on down to hell, and took back every key, he rose up as a lion, and he set all the captives free.
my goodness. I was down here with tears in my eyes, like, man. I'm coming from, uh, from kids camp, and I can't tell if the Holy Spirit is like really a fresh feeling in my life or I'm exhausted. I can't tell between the two. Uh, but but I, am, I am coming from, from children's camp. We've been there the last two days, and I'll go back after this. A lot of our staff's there, volunteers are there, busload of kids in Camp Lee, and, and um, they've had worship every night. And, and every night is such a blessing to... Good gracious, y'all. It's, it's, it's such a blessing to hear uh, children lift their voice and uh, to hear them in a sanctuary with a guy on a guitar and they're singing out and like part of me is like gosh it just this is the, the best like man they sound so good and then I get here on Sunday morning, and y'all sound pretty good, too. You know, like, <laughs> it's just so good. And, and it, it grips my heart because, y'all, we, we can sing like the Church of Christ sing without music, or we can sing like the Baptist sing with a band. We can sing with a guy on a guitar. We can sing with pipe organs like in the Methodist church. Just to God be the glory, he needs to be praised by his people. <laughs> Amen. Because when, when you put it in perspective, if you think about the words that we are singing, it don't matter if you've got a stringed instrument or not, you need to praise God Almighty for what God has done for us that we could not do for ourselves. If we bust heaven wide open, it's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not because of anything we got to bring to the table. Amen? <clears throat> and He is worthy of our praise when we think about all that God has done for us. And I, my, my Gosh, it made me think about my grandmother singing those songs. Oh, good gracious, y'all, I'm a mess. I am a mess this morning. But man, those, those old songs will do something to your heart. It, it, got, me, um, it got me thinking about my, my grandmother praising God and, and worshiping, singing those songs. And Lord have mercy. All right. Let's, uh, let's pray before I fall apart. And, uh, and let's preach, all right? Lord, thank you so much. God, what a blessing it is to be in church this morning. Thank you, O oh God, for your love for us. Lord, the promise of heaven and eternal life. And thank you for doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, when we don't feel saved, but you saved us. Lord, when there's times when we're low, and God, we don't feel close to you. Lord, your spirit reminds us that we are yours. Lord, if there be any in here today that do not know you, and there is no joy and peace in their life, about their physical life that's in the present or their eternal life that is to come. Lord, I, I, I just pray, oh God, that they would yield, that they would recognize the need 
and the draw in their heart towards a right relationship with you, God, that they would just give way. No matter if they've been in church all their life or one hour. Lord, we thank you, O oh God, for freedom from sin and its power over us. We thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit that, that guides us. And Lord, may we recognize all of who you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First John, First John is where we will continue to be as we continue our, our series in real life. As you are turning in your Bibles, turn to the back of your Bible. And First John, you can find it on the way there. And we're going to look at First John chapter 2 to start with. And as you are turning there, I want you to consider what we are doing in these Wednesday nights in July. We have a, a fellowship event coming up this Wednesday night, and one of our interns will tell you more about that at the end of the uh, at the end of the message. And we have uh, a, another a family worship night that's coming up on a Wednesday night where we're going to do a whole lot of things. We're going to include elements from our children's ministry and student ministry, and just from the grown folks. And then at the end, I, this is really the point I want to make. Um, you're going to see in your bulletin that the last Wednesday night of this month, nobody's coming here at all. The last Wednesday night of this month, I'm going to give you a holy dare. I dare you to invite a neighbor of yours over to have dinner at your house. Amen. I dare you. A holy risk dare you. Do not invite your whole neighborhood. Now, if you can take them, take them. And if you want to have 50 people over at your place, then that's fine. But everybody's got neighbors. And somewhere I read that we're supposed to love them. And so if we're going to reach people, the best way to reach people is in the context of a relationship. So I dare you, holy risk dare you, to invite someone over to your house to cook for them a hamburger or a hot dog or breakfast. Somebody told me recently, you can't mess up breakfast. Whatever you want to make. Whatever you want to make. And, and let them know who you are, introduce yourself, and just tell them that you can count on this house to pray for you and to help you if, if you're going through a troubled time. Give them your name and, and, and get to know who they are. I, I implore you and invite you to do that as we continue to love our neighbor here at Lindsay Lane. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. And if you're thinking to yourself, I'd love to do this, but I don't know how, or maybe I'd like to join somebody else that's going to do this, maybe we can help you arrange with another neighbor that's close by you to uh, invite somebody in. But uh, I, I truly think that as we are considering what God means to us this morning and what salvation means to us, I'm so thankful that somebody told me about the love of Jesus. Amen? I'm so glad that somebody told me and shared with me who God is and that they love me as their neighbor. So in 1 John, we are going to continue this morning of, uh, of life in the Spirit. This sermon series is called In Real Life, and it's meant to direct us to what it, it looks like to really live a Christian life? What does that look like as we actually live it out? And First John is, is a lot towards the application of the Christian life. And, and today we're going to talk about something that, that I, I think goes missed often in the church. I've had conversations with family members recently about this, but living life in the Spirit of God and what that means. And, and you cannot read the Bible without the understanding that God's Spirit is alive, well, and working and works through the life of of those who are his. And so we're going to look and see the, the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, in the life of the believer, and how God gives the Spirit 
to those who are his. And we're going to start there that the Spirit of God is given to believers. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, When you believed in Christ, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. God identified you, Christian, as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised. When a Christian turns from themselves and their sin and turns to God and calls upon the name of the Lord for salvation, to be forgiven and in faith to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, God gives that Christian a gift every time. And it is the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are told this much in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible says, But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. Jesus, God, has given you His Spirit, and you know the truth. Now, there's a part in there we need to explain that says, But you are not like that. As the good news of God that he saves through the life, death, and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, as it began to reach the world, there were those who entertained Christianity, but they denied the deity of Christ. They liked the thoughts of some parts of Christianity, but they denied all of the tenets of the faith and denied that Jesus is the Messiah. And therefore, by denying that he is God and denying that he is the way, then they deny the true faith. They opposed God's way of reaching into the world when you have a less than biblical view of Jesus. And these were misguided individuals and because they assigned more value to their thoughts and because they assigned more value to their own personal conclusions than to the actual value who Jesus actually is, these people were labeled antichrist. And this is why the Bible says, but you are not like that. But there were those that would be considered antichrist. Now, a number of Christians throughout history have always believed that someone in their lifetime is the antichrist. It, usually it has to do with a world power leader, a national leader, a, a, a religious figure that is a leader. you got names thrown out there throughout history like Nero and Napoleon, Hitler... Gorbachev, Bin Laden, and every American president that's ever been in office. <laughs> they are the Antichrist. And while prophecy of the Antichrist is sure, it is in the Bible, it is biblical, I don't know that naming the Antichrist is as important as knowing that there has been and will always be a spirit of opposition against Jesus. So instead of going on the internet and driving yourself crazy about who it is, just know that there is a spirit of opposition against Jesus that has always been and will be until God makes it all right and plain. And, and while prophecy of the Antichrist is in Scripture, again, just know that there is opposition in general. And in fact, the Scripture confirms this in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 2. And it says, You have heard the Antichrist is coming... And already many such antichrists have appeared. There have been those in your churches, the author is saying, that were opposed to the true identity of Jesus Christ. And it goes on to say, these folks left the church and because they did, it proved they were not united in faith and following Jesus. 
So who they claimed to be in the church was exposed because they did not follow Jesus, but also they did not believe that Jesus is God and that he is the way to salvation. And so they are antichrist in a sense. Now again, we're speaking of God giving the Spirit to believers. And those who have the Spirit of God in them believe in all that Jesus is. But as encouragement and reassurance to the believer, the Bible says in verse 20, You are not like that. You are not in opposition to Jesus. You are not against what the church is doing. You have been given the Spirit of God, and you all know the truth. So the Spirit of God is a gift to you and me who believe in Jesus Christ. I know this may be a a different kind of thought than maybe you've thought about with your Christianity, but God's immaterial person is given to us who believe. The Bible says in the New King James Version of 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, you have received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Same verse, different translation, and says it this way. You have received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Anointing is a biblical term that refers to divine designation of service. So when you look back in the Old Testament, you're going to see King David and the Old Testament priests. They were anointed to signify the Spirit of God on their life unto service. In fact, sometimes they would take ointment and oils and apply it to them physically to signify God's presence on them for the purpose of serving God. Well, in the New Testament, the Spirit of God is applied to all who believe. We are all anointed with the Holy Spirit when we believe that Jesus is the Christ. When we turn from our sin and from ourselves and turn to God and call on the name of the Lord to be saved, when we become a Christian, God gifts us with His presence. We are anointed by God, designated for service. So, in real life, the real life Christian, God has anointed you, and that means He has gifted you with His Spirit. So you are not just to attend, you are to serve. And that means that you are not to bust up churches, but to build up churches. You are not to leave churches, you are to love and lead churches. Because the Spirit of God is in us testifying to the truth of God that Jesus is the way. And because we are in His church, we are to work together to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you have been whitewater rafting. Hold your hand up if you've ever been whitewater rafting. Wow, that's, that's a lot. So this application should apply, right? This, this connection illustration. If you've been whitewater rafting, more than likely you have gone with an outfitter. If you go with an outfitter, they are going to supply you with a guide. That guide is going to be with you as you make your way down the river. He or she is going to tell you to go this way, to not go this way. They are going to caution you about the danger of something that is upcoming. They are going to correct you. They are going to lead you as your trip takes its way down that river. Now, you can go your own way. And if you go your own way, you can try to figure it out yourself. But here's what that means. It means that you do not belong to that outfitter. Y'all picking that up? If you belong to that outfitter, then you are going to have a guide. Guide is proof that you belong to that outfitter and they belong to you. It proves that we are fit for heaven when the Spirit of God is in us. When chapter 2, verse 20 tells us, that believers are given the Spirit of God, this is a gift 
that the outfitter gives to us for the purpose of winding our way down the river of life in a way that glorifies God and is good for you. So in verse 2, chapter 20, when the Bible tells us that we are given the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand that receiving the Holy Spirit is not like receiving a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. Now, what do we mean by that? The gift of the Holy Spirit is not a present. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a presence. The gift of the Holy Spirit is not a present. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a person to follow. He, the Holy Spirit. And when our lives give evidence to His Spirit, when our lives give evidence to the person of the Holy Spirit and His presence guiding our lives, it proves that we are part of the one true outfitter. The one true outfitter who fits us for heaven when we are gifted by the Spirit and we follow His lead. Secondly... The Holy Spirit of God lives within believers, indwelling Holy Spirit. Meaning that at Christmas time, we celebrate God with us. At Pentecost, we celebrate God in us. It is, it is not just God being with you. May the Lord be with you and also with you. You may have said that in some of your churches. This, this is God in us. And it's taught consistently in the Scripture when when Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it's Jesus praying for us, really. It's not just Jesus praying for those that were his disciples. It's praying for those who would ever be his disciples. And amen. That means Jesus prayed for me and for you if you are in Christ. But when he prayed for all who would ever believe in him, at the end of his prayer, this is what Jesus said. As he's talking to the Father, I have revealed you to them. And I will continue to do so. Now think about that. Jesus, that is about to die a real death and rise from the grave and then ascend into heaven, which is what the scripture teaches, he says to God, I have revealed to the disciples, I've revealed you to them. And he says, I will continue to do that. And then he says, then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. I will be in them. Now, how is Jesus going to reveal to his disciples and all who would ever believe in him, how is he going to teach them about God the Father and be in them continuously throughout the ages? If he is fully man, he can't do that. But if he's fully man and fully God, he can do anything. So as God and the totality of the essence of God is spirit, because he is God... When he ascended into heaven, he did so that the Spirit of God could come and indwell the life of believers. Because as fully man, Jesus couldn't be everywhere all the time. But as God the Spirit, he can be everywhere he wants to all the time. And he chooses to indwell in the life of those who are his. We are the living temple that God chooses to dwell within. And so Jesus is speaking of continued revelation, dwelling within his disciples spiritually. And some of you may be thinking, this is the first time I've ever thought about this. Wake up to that fact. That if you are in Christ, Christ is in you. The power of the Spirit of God lives in us to overcome the things that we are going through now. John 14, 16. Jesus said to his disciples, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Now, one of the things that you've got to study, as we were sitting down with these kids at, at church camp, and we're, we're teaching the Bible, we're sitting down with some fifth and, fifth and sixth grade boys, y'all, fifth and sixth grade boys can get in the deep end 
and study the Bible, and they can get to the shallow end real quick right after that. It's crazy. Like, we're talking about really deep stuff, and I'm like, man, this is encouraging. And right after that, they're like saying stuff, and I'm like, y'all ain't even human yet. You know, like, <laughs> it's fun, though. It's fun as, as we're teaching through the Bible. And, and so, like, when we read this, I, I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate who will, will never leave you. I asked those boys as we were sitting there, I said, when, when you read the Bible, what should you be looking for? When you read Scripture, what should you be looking for? And I gave them the two questions that we talk about all the time. What does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about man? Right? That'll get you started. You, you, you factor in God's Spirit guiding you into truth and those two questions about you seeking who God is. Well, what does this tell us about God? He will give us another advocate, which means He will always be involved with us. And He will give you His Spirit who will never leave you. Now, I don't know what thoughts you have about God coming in here today, but God making a promise to those who are His that He will never leave you, forsake you, or abandon you, that is reason that if you ain't stood up and sang to worship yet, you ought to before you leave. You should sing and express your heart to God who has given of Himself to save you and has given of Himself to stay in you and with you. This is the God that we sing to, the God that we serve. Another advocate is what Jesus said. I'll ask the Father. He will give you another advocate. Another advocate means, truly in the language, another of the same kind. So the Spirit of God, another of the same kind, is going to be with you. Just as Jesus was with His disciples physically, the indwelling presence of God would be in those disciples from then on. Jesus, fully man, ascends into heaven. The Spirit of God now gifted to all believers upon salvation because of His nature as Spirit would never leave. Now, what's repeated is important. If you turn to 1 John, which is where we are, and you look in chapters 3 and 4, you're going to see four verses that say not that God's Spirit is with us, but that God's Spirit is in us. Chapter 3, verse 24, and we know He lives in us because the Spirit He gave us lives in us. Chapter 4, verse 4, but you belong to God, my dear children, you have already won a victory over those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Now somebody needs to hold on and hang on to that today. The Spirit of God who lives in you is greater than the Spirit of the world that you live in. So the things that you are up against, have you factored in that the presence of the living God is within you? So what you're about to go up against, you can go up against it because God is not just with you. He is in you and greater than the world that you live in. Chapter 4, verse 13, And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. Chapter 4, verse 15, All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. Christian, I want you to hear this today. God is not just with you. He is in you. And that makes a big difference deal. Because in the Old Testament, God gave His people... The law and his, his presence filled the tabernacle and the temple. But while they had the law, which they could go to and study, as we have the word of God, but then they had the law of God to represent his character. They could go and, and read that and study that. And while they had God's presence in the temple, which they could approach, but they couldn't go all the way in. And while they had those things, what God knew that we needed was his presence all the time. He knew that we needed He in us, 
so that we may represent his character to the world for his glory and for our good. And then you get to Ezekiel chapter 36 where God speaks of restoring his people and he speaks through the prophet. And Lord God, just lead us through the rest of this time. Not to my glory or anybody else's, but help us, Lord, to understand the truth of your word that it applies to our life. In Jesus' name. And as we get to Ezekiel 36, God speaks of restoring his people, bringing his folks back to a right relationship with him. And this is how he's going to do it. He says, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I'll put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. God knew that he needed to work on us from the inside out to produce the out. I remember as a kid, I got saved at 11 years old. Think back to some of these things. When I got saved at 11, I remember a few years later that I was hanging out with my friends, and this is a confession before my parents because they're here, and I said a four-letter word in front of my friends that I thought would be cool. I remember this specifically. I could take you to the time and place that I was there. And I remember when I said that word, something on the inside of me went, uh-uh, uh-uh. And, and some of you may use those things now and, and guarantee you that if you're in Christ, he's still dealing with you over it. And men, let me tell you something. If God can get a hold of your mouth, he can get a hold of a whole lot of things in your life. Men, in fact, one thing that holds you back from serving him the way you want to is because you ain't let him get a hold of your mouth yet. All right. But I remember that. I remember that as, as it, it was not somebody opening the Bible and showing me on the pages. And it was not driving by the church and recognizing the sanctuary and that that's a holy place. It was God in me calling me out my guide down that river says you better not go that way because that's not going to take you the way you want to go i mean i can remember those early instances of god's spirit directing me yeah had my mom and daddy taught me to do that i mean had they taught me not to do that absolutely but they weren't with me at the time in my heart god's spirit because he is indwelling inside of me begin to pull out those things that are weeds in my garden now the Holy Spirit, as we talk about God being in us, in suggests a fixed position. In is a fixed position in place, time, and state. And there were times that the law throughout the Scripture was lost, y'all. Seriously. There were times when the law of God was buried under stuff. You read, read about Josiah. Josiah and his folks, they discovered the law. One of, one of the guys working for him brought it back up and said, We found the law of God. You know what happened after they found the law of God? weeping before God. Whoa. Like we have gone way off track for this. And so think about it. As God's presence is now in us, then the law at times was lost. And, and at the same time, there was life outside of the tabernacle. They didn't live inside the sanctuary just as we don't live inside the sanctuary. But if the Holy Spirit is in us, we don't lose the law of God at any waking moment. If the Holy Spirit of God is in us, His presence will always be with us. And consider what your struggle is today. So consider whatever it is that you deal with. Your desire for whatever leads you astray and far from God, whether it be is, is issues of moral failure, whether it be issues of, of physical sin, or whether it be just things in your heart that causes doubt or insecurity, whatever those things are, 
if you are in Christ, there will be a certain counter against that spirit that reminds you of who you belong to and what's right. And that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. That, that means if God's presence is in us, you don't have to go back and look it up because God will go ahead and tell you. Y'all found that to be true? God's Spirit will go ahead and tell you on the inside that's wrong. You can just go to the Word and confirm it. Because you don't have to be around the law to know that it's right or wrong. You don't have to be around the Bible to know if it's right or wrong because God's Spirit will do that for you. You don't have to be in the sanctuary to be called out by a pastor who has his own failures and faults because the presence of God inside of you will call you out according to the truth of God's Word and the standard of Jesus because He's on the inside of us. He's there, a fixed position to work for the glory of God and the good of you. Now, if you feel too fragile and stained for the presence of God, I believe that's appropriate. So if there's times when you feel like, God, I can't, I can't believe or even grasp that you would enter into my life knowing who I am. Yeah, well, join the rest of us who feel like that. That's why we need to be saved. That's why we need him on the inside working towards our outside. Thanks be to God that he would give us his presence to work on the inside of us. The Spirit of God is a gift to you, Christian, and the Spirit of God is on the inside of you. Now, thirdly, the Spirit of God speaks to believers. We only got four, so we're halfway there. The Spirit of God speaks to believers. The Spirit of God speaks because He's a person. The Spirit of God speaks as the Spirit of God communicates, and as He does, He ministers to the believer. And as the Spirit of God, the Spirit says the truth. God's Spirit is going to teach you and tell you what's true. What is right according to God? What does that mean? Specifically and primarily, the Spirit of God is going to tell you the truth about Jesus. And you start from there. If the Spirit of God is going to tell you and teach you about Jesus, then we need to be studying this Bible and read about Jesus. To follow Jesus, because the Spirit of God is going to point you towards the Son of God. Listen to what, you, you can look in John chapter 16, 17 and see what Jesus says that. Jesus says, he's going to tell you what I said. That's basically what it says in the Gospels. As the Spirit of God is going to point to Jesus. Listen to 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. Listen to that. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus came in a real body... That person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. It's as simple as that. Either that person believes in all who the Bible says Jesus is and the testimony of the apostles that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is both fully God and fully man, or they don't. If they don't, they're not from God. And the Spirit of God will confirm that in our life as we take in all this teaching of the world. Again, if you look back... In chapter 2 and now again in chapter 4, there were those that suggested that Jesus was not fully God and suggested that Jesus was not fully man. And their conclusions, now y'all hear this this morning, their conclusions contradict Scripture. And they came up with their own truth and testimony instead of the truth and testimony of God's Word and of the apostles who spent time with Jesus. Questions and contradictions... And interpretations, well, those things still exist today. The interpretations of who Jesus is, questioning who Jesus is, all of those things still happen and still persist today. I read an article, a recent article, from a priest and theologian that said this. Jesus sent by God applies only to Western culture. 
And fundamentally, Christ may have never had any significance for Eastern, Eastern cultures. Really? So, what about those mission trips that happened real soon? There's Brother Eric right there. What about those missions efforts that happened real soon in the Scripture that went to Asia and Asia Minor? And from what I read, it does not say, for God so loves the West. It says, for God so loved the world. So you're wrong and not from God. Straight up, that's what that means. You can have your own intelligent conclusions of who you think Jesus is, but I'm going to go with this word right here. Because as the Spirit of God teaches me that Jesus is the way to God, this word right here that I got saved off of is what I'm going to go with for the rest of it. So it, again, this is the truth of, of what God is, is saying, that I have sent my Spirit to tell you the truth of the way unto me and the way to live. And so there will always be all kinds of human conclusions about who Jesus is. Why don't you just look and see what he said for himself and listen to what the Spirit of God is leading us towards in the Scripture? Listen, Satan would tempt some of y'all to think that you are so smart you can outsmart God. I'm serious. And I say some of y'all because I'm dumb. I'm simple-minded, and I'm glad of it sometimes. Because <laughs> I'll just take God at face value. But for some, for some of you... God has made you so smart that you need to explain himself away to you before you can believe. But let me tell you something. He can do that because he's not afraid of your questions. But it's going to take faith to please him at the end of the day. You're going to have to believe. And I'm thankful for, for many of you that are so much smarter than me and very intelligent. And God made your mind different. But he made your mind different to explain it to somebody else. Not for you to come up to your own conclusions about who he is apart from his own revelation so that you can question it and say, like, I'm so smart. You know the thing about that? It, when, when you choose to go with your own conclusions about who God is, that means you can come up with your own conclusions about what sin is. See, it's easy for you to say how smart you are because then you can overrule the Bible and you can do whatever you want to do. That's a good plan. It's tricky, but it ain't right. Satan will teach you about self-discovery. He will, in the scripture, we talked about this last night with the kids. Greg was preaching, he read all these scriptures. We talked yesterday about the temptations that Jesus faced. Listen, Satan will tempt you to think you are more than you are or less than you are. Not who God says you are, but more than you are or less than you are. That, that you are so far gone, so far away from forgiveness that God would never forgive you. That's crazy talk. You may feel that way, but the blood of Jesus will cover your sins. You may feel that way, but God desires to save you for his glory and for your good. But then there's also the other side. Well, Satan will deceive you into thinking, you don't need any help. You got this thing. Give me a break. Are you buying that from your tempter? Are you buying that from the deceiver? That you're so smart that you can outsmart God. And you can tell God who you are and that you don't need forgiveness, but you can go your own way. Some of you are in here today, you're rolling your eyes every time I make a point. Now, I've not seen anybody do that. I'm just assuming that in a, in a crowd as large. Guarantee you there's people in here, you're not buying a word of it. Hey, I tell you what, you ain't got to take my word for it. Just get your head in that Bible and let the Spirit of God go to work. But just know that the Spirit of God is going to teach you the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That is what the Bible says is the truth of God. 
Now, you can go and do your own conclusions, but at the end of the day, you're not going to outsmart the Holy Spirit, and you can tell Him all the things that you concluded, and He's going to go right back to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. The Spirit of God not only testifies to Jesus, the Spirit of God teaches the truth of God's Word. 1 John chapter 2, verses 26 and 27. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. So there again, just know that there are those that want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. That's interesting, isn't it? As we're trying to get you in a group in this church, God's Word says you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. Now we're going to hang on to that because we're going we're to talk about that. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as He taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. We're not getting you in a group in this church so that you can hear the perspectives and opinions of a group leader. We are getting you in a group in this church so that you could be ministered to by someone who is relying upon the Holy Spirit to make it true who is relying upon the Holy Spirit to teach you the ways of Jesus and the Word of God so that you will have truth in your life. I'm the same way. I don't come up with this every Sunday. I read and report every week of what God's Word says. Jesus said in John 14, the Holy Spirit will teach you and remind you of everything I have told you. Y'all, if there's reasons why I stop and pray in the middle of a sermon, it's because I don't want to tell you my opinions. It's because I desperately want God to teach you the truth and the way to God. This isn't a, a word that you can make an excuse not to be in a group over. See right there. Holy Spirit's my teacher. I don't need to be in a group. You going to read the rest of it or just pull one scripture out? Because, man, you can get it a, a bad way just pulling one scripture out of the Bible. God has gifted teachers to the church. That's also in the scripture. So what are you going to do with that? Jesus said, told his disciples in Matthew 28, go and make disciples, even saying this, teaching them to obey. You see, God has gifted us with the Spirit of God to go and make disciples, to teach, to obey, but not by our own conclusions, but through the inspiration of the Spirit of God that is in us that will line up with his word every time. And what this is, is a reminder to the Christian that you do not have to rely on human wisdom or the opinions of men for truth. If you attended public or private school, you'll, you'll catch up with this, this illustration because you'll know what I'm saying. When, and, and to the homeschool group, you always knew who your teacher was, right? The homeschool kids always knew who your teacher was. It was going to be mom and daddy. Well, if you're in a public or private school, there's this time before August where you drive up to the school, you look at a sheet, you find your name, you look to the top, and there is your who? Your teacher right? There is your teacher. And when you see who your teacher is, usually it's followed with a yes or a, oh my goodness. <laughs> right? And some of you that are in here, it could even be your parents if you're homeschool, your reaction would be yes or oh my goodness. <laughs> but that is your teacher. That teacher has been assigned to you to remind you of the things that you do know and to guide you into the truth of the things that you don't know. Well, listen to this. God has not assigned to you a pastor. He has not assigned to you a deacon. He has not assigned to you a Sunday school teacher or a family member to be your teacher. God's Spirit is your teacher. 
God's Spirit is the one who is going to remind you of what you do know that is true and lines up with the Word of God. And God's Spirit is going to guide you into the truth of what you don't know that is true. That is His responsibility. The Bible says that the Spirit of God convicts the world of their sin and the righteousness of God and that the Spirit of God guides the Christian into all truth. God's going to tell you the truth. And the Spirit of God is the teacher. The Spirit of God is your life coach. The Spirit of God is your mentor. You see, life coach and mentor are words that I don't remember using growing up. I mean, the truth of it is, my life coach and mentor are my mom and daddy. That's another sermon. But even then, some of you may be thinking, they weren't my, my life coach and mentor didn't work out so well with my mom and daddy. The Spirit of God is the teacher. The Spirit of God is the life coach. The Spirit of God is the mentor. And I'm not criticizing anybody that would take those folks on to help them to learn things that they don't know. But listen, a lot of times we rush to seek the help of someone instead of seeking the help of the one. Now that's a good note. Write that down. You know the little Instagram things we're doing? Hey folks, if you're watching that do the Instagram stuff, that's that's the one to put on there, right there. We We don't seek the help of the one. We seek the help of someone. When the Spirit of God is the teacher that guides into truth. I'm just going to be plain out honest with you. I often find myself seeking the counsel of Christians more than I seek the Spirit of Christ that lives in me. Can anybody admit to that? I mean, we will, now, biblical counsel and going towards someone for help is also biblical. But y'all, it's just like we pass right on by prayer and asking the Spirit of God to guide us into truth. The Bible even says if we'll ask for wisdom, He'll give it to us. Because the Spirit of God is a teacher. Listen to this. This was a a quote from a reputable Christian leader that said, The way to benefit fully from the Spirit's ministry of illumination is by serious Bible study, serious prayer, and serious response and obedience to whatever truths one has been shown already. Sometimes the Bible will speak and the Spirit of God will make it plain and we'll go to somebody else to tell us something else. Make us feel better. The Spirit of God will tell you the truth. There have been many times in my life as a pastor, leader, when an individual or a couple will sit down before me, we'll discuss a doctrinal issue, and at the end of our time, the pressure's off me because this is what I get to say. You don't have to take my word for it. You take your Bible and open it up and begin to read and trust God to make it plain for you. I don't have to convince you of things on Sunday morning. I'm just repeating what the Spirit of God has inspired in His Word. And God's Spirit will take it from there. And you can trust, if you are dealing with an issue and wondering if it's God's Spirit or not, God's Spirit will always confirm the Word, not contend with the Word. Now, y'all need to hear that again. If you're dealing with something now and you're wondering if the message you receive is from God, God's Spirit will always confirm the Word, not contend with the Word. Finally, God's Spirit speaks for believers for believers not just two believers but for believers last point chapter 4 verse 13 God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us God's spirit not just speaks to us God's spirit speaks for us did you know that God has not made a way for you to hope that you're getting in 
And I know we're on the last stretch right here. God's, God's not made it to where you have this conclusion in your life like, well, I sure hope I'm going to heaven. That's not what God has given us. God has given us assurance of salvation, eternal life, that he is the way to God, that even though we have sin, he's covered over that by the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, you, you can look in the scripture for yourself there in 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, all who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about His Son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. And whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And then verse 13, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. You can know it. Some of you are thinking, I sure hope I get in. And God's trying to convince you that you are. And some of you, God's trying to convince you that you're not. Man, listen to the Spirit of God. As He either draws you in or back to where you should be and have been before. Let me make this plain. The Spirit of God that lives in us is proof that God lives in us. If you're convicted over sin and you find yourself struggling at times and you drop the ball and you keep praying prayer, prayers of confession and seeking God and in and out, good. And I'm not saying that's where you should stay, but conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit of God means that you're His. And if you're His and He's your parent, He's not going to let you act like you want to act. So that's good. Now, if you can go on about your way indifferent to the things of God, you made up your own mind, bad. Plain as I can make it. Remember, God didn't give us his, uh, a present to prove that we're in. God gave us a person to prove that we are his possession. At children's camp, each camper that wanted to be eligible to dive off the diving board or to swim in the deep end had to complete a swim test. A swim test. Now, you may be thinking, what, what all did this involve? That meant that they had to jump in the deepest part of the pool, which was 12 feet deep. They had to jump in the deepest part of the pool, and they had to swim the length of the pool from one end to the other without touching the bottom or the sides. So even when you got to the shallow part that you could touch, to prove that you are a good swimmer, you had to be able to jump in, come up, and swim all the way down without touching the sides or the bottom for help. I'll be quite honest, when I get up there and look at the size of that pool, I thought, I don't know if I can do this myself or not. Like, we might not have any kids that get to swim today, right? And some of them are fish, and so they jump in, and it's no problem, but I did complete my swim test. I want y'all to know that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank my parents and my sister for helping me. I'd like to thank my Aunt Janice. My Aunt Janice threw me in the pool at my other aunt's house, and we swam. I'd like, if you're listening, Aunt Janice, thank you. Got my swim test completed. Well, once you complete your swim test, you were given a white band of such. I proof. See, I'm telling you, I got proof. <laughs> you're given a white band by the lifeguard to be fastened to your wrist, like this one. So some of your kids may come home and have this on their wrist. Most of them want to take it off as soon as they got it. But this white band by the lifeguard was given to all that completed the swim test. Now, y'all, there were times if I get tired, I may not feel like I passed that test 
But I got the proof that I did. And there are times when I feel weak and, and maybe I touch the sides in the bottom because I am tired and I put my feet down and feel like I am not deserving of swimming in the deep end. But guess what? I got the proof that says I can. I passed the swim test. And so no matter what I feel like, I'm in because the test has been passed. Do you realize that the Spirit of God that lives in you is not because you did anything to pass the test, but that God passed that test for you? And the Spirit of God confirms that in your life, that you have acknowledged that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you desire to be right with God and walk with God for His glory and your good. And that is the proof on the inside that God gives that we may know we are in Christ. We may feel like we would like an armband from God sometimes. You ever thought about that? God, why don't you just give us an armband? That's why we made those, what would Jesus do, bracelets, so we can confirm our Christianity. Well, that's not the way to do it. That's not the way to do it. But sometimes we, we feel like we would like for God to give us an armband so that we will know that we are in. Like it would be better and easier for us to just look down and see the armband and know that we're in. But the reason that we want that kind of marking from God is too shallow. We want the armband to know that we are in. God gave us a person to follow while we are in. God gave us the presence of the Holy Spirit so that we could glorify Him, not just be in, but to serve God and to be guided by God while we live so that we can reflect the glory of God and church so that we can take somebody with us. That's why the Spirit of God is in us, given to us to witness, if you look in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We are to be the witnesses, going here, there, and everywhere, when the Spirit of God comes on you and in you. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. I love this, so please don't turn loose before you go. Last word. God's Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. You see, God doesn't want you to live your life like you are allowed to swim in the deep end. God wants you to swim and be around that pool like your daddy owns it. That may take you a minute. That's good. He doesn't want you to just go back and forth between I think I can and I hope I am. And he wants you to run around that place like your daddy's name is on the pool. What am I saying? Confidence, man. Confidence. Man, when we are confident, we can do so many things. And in our Christianity at times, we're not confident that we don't know the word. We're not confident that we are the representative. We're not confident that we could be this and could be that. God's Spirit joins with our spirit to let us know we are a child of God and Daddy owns all this. And if Daddy says, I can do it, I can do it. That's the confidence that God wants to give to His church so that we will witness in the world for His glory and for the good of man. And the key to confidence and living in the Spirit, in the Spirit, is to reading that Bible for real and following the Spirit of God as it lines up with the Word and tells us about Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? <clears throat> Man, I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here, y'all. We've been talking about talking with family after family over the last few weeks that have joined our church, that 
new families through our area seeking to get plugged in, and we would love to do the same with you and your family. If you'd like to join this church, or if you need to be saved or baptized, would you please come and, and have a conversation with us? Would, would you walk the aisle and say a, a simple, short sentence of, I need to be saved, or I want to join the church, or I need to be baptized? Let us know how we can help you. As God's Spirit is bringing to mind in the heart what needs to be done, let us follow. Amen? This altar is open for you. We got people over here that wanted to talk to you and receive you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for how you have made a way for us when we could not make a way for ourselves. You have sent your son to live a pure and perfect life to show us how to live. To die a sacrificial death, Lord, that is in place of our death. God, you have made a way for us to be forgiven by the shed blood of Christ. And God, you have risen to new life to give us hope of eternal life. The way and the truth and the life is in Jesus. So Lord, I pray if your spirit is drawing us, and this all makes sense in our heart and mind, that we would simply and seriously just respond. Walk the aisle or talk to a pastor or someone trusted after. But God, may we not leave without the assurance that we are saved. In Jesus' name, amen.
nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Oh, almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the Just for a moment, we have a ministry video to show you, to highlight one of our in-reach ministries here. And I want you to know that the, the invitation never closes. If you'd like to talk to one of us, uh, we have pastors and staff that will be out there in the hallways. Love to receive you and your family. Uh, but for now, watch this video, and then one of our interns is going to come and give you some announcements. Hey, Lindsay Lane. My name is Lindsay Dempsey, and I'm the coordinator for a ministry here at Lindsay Lane called American Heritage Girls. Chances are you haven't heard of American Heritage Girls, so we are very excited to tell you what AHG is all about. So what is AHG? AHG is a Christ-centered scouting organization for girls ages 5 to 18 whose mission is building women of integrity through service to God, family, country, and community. AHG is a family-supported ministry that encourages both girl and adult participation. The American Heritage Girls program enables your daughter to grow in her faith cultivate a heart for service, and have more fun than she can imagine. AHG focuses on providing progressive level programming, rich in opportunities for girls of all ages and abilities. With each AHG level, girls are introduced to new skills, badge work, service projects, outdoor experiences unique to a female audience. Girls develop physically, socially, emotionally, and spiritually through the support and encouragement of others, fun-loving girls, and engaging AHG volunteers. This year, we launched AHG's first troop here at Lindsay Lane and in Limestone County. My husband and I chose this program more than six years ago for our own daughter because it was such a unique way to provide a safe place to try new things, explore leadership opportunities, build godly friendships, and deepen her faith as she learns who she is in Christ. We are a family walking alongside one another, pouring into each other's lives, and impacting the lives of girls for Christ. I have to say, it has been an absolutely amazing watching God work through this troop. I would love it if you would join us in praying for our troop as we begin to plan for the next year. We had an exciting year this year with AHG. 
Our troop earned more than 500 service hours altogether. The girls did things from pumpkin paint kits for traditions of Athens, to coloring placemats for Meals on Wheels recipients in Limestone County, to creating a rock river to encourage the community during the pandemic time in downtown Athens. Some of the things we are most proud and excited about from this year is that we had two girls who received Christ and were baptized. We also had eight of our girls earn the Presidential Service Award from the President of the United States for all the service work that they did over the year. Glad y'all aren't clapping for me. <laughs> Just wanted to bring up two two specific events to to your attention this week. You can look at the bulletin for for the rest. But uh, starting tomorrow, all the way through Thursday, you can team up with Pastor Bradley and myself at Tanner High School for Serve Two Five Six. So weather permitting, Monday through Thursday, there'll be all kinds of things like outside cleanup or uh, painting the parking lot. So be sure to join us at Tanner High School. Uh, it starts at seven, goes all the way to two. I don't think you have to be there exactly at 7 for that, but if you can help out at any point or even just one day, that'd be great. And then secondly, this Wednesday, get excited for the Food Truck Fellowship. So we'll have several food trucks there along with Kona Ice. So we'd love to have you there. Bring your friends if you can, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you all there. So let me close this in prayer, and we'll be dismissed. God, thank you so much for uh, the message today and the fellowship we can have with your church. Thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit and uh, the peace we can have um, knowing that we're saved and that we're your children and that you'll continue to work on us. So help us to live for you and love those around us throughout the week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.